Welcome to episode three of the Successful Man podcast. This is Rob Montgomery. Today I want to take a look at a book called Wild at Heart. It's written by John Eldridge. I've recently learned that he's come out with a updated version, but this one was written several years ago and was one that really had a big impact on me, and I hope to share some thoughts from it that will uh, impact you as well. But I want to tell you a story first before I get into the book and the meat of the book and what it means. So in 2010, I deployed to Afghanistan and initially was stationed at Bagram Air Base, which was uh, the biggest base in uh, the northern part of Afghanistan. After being there a couple months, we ended up moving our headquarters down to Kabul into a small camp called Camp Phoenix and operated out of there. We took on a convoy mission that sent us to several FOBs, which is a forward operating base, in various areas throughout the, the country. This convoy mission was something I knew I was going to be doing once I went to Afghanistan. It was not something I was expecting, though, because really I was supposed to be a math nerd sitting behind a computer. But the roles changed quickly once, once I got there and even leading up to the deployment. Uh, needless to say, I was a little nervous, but I had some fairly decent training, had some people that poured into me before I left, some neighbors and some friends, of course, that had been on several deployments. And my mind goes back to really the first mission I went on. Every time you go outside the wire, that's what they call it when you you leave the FOB, you go outside the wire, and it's it's a pretty nerve-wracking experience. If you've been there, you know exactly what I mean. You literally prepare for every worst-case scenario. You get intelligence briefings. You do your homework on various routes and multiple ways to, to get to a location and to return. For someone that's never you know been in combat, the potential of it happening is definitely uh, it definitely rattles you a little bit. But the first mission we were on was it was uneventful. We we left and went where we needed to go and returned several hours later. Uh, later that night, though, upon returning, because we returned as it was uh, in the in the dark, I remember sitting in my office. And I was amped up, I guess you could say. I was I was pretty fired up. The adrenaline was pumping. And I was just sitting there in my office as I normally would, working pretty late. There's nothing else to do when you're deployed except work, eat, and sleep, work out. And uh, so I just poured my time into my job just to make the time go by as fast as possible. But it was it was pretty late. It was probably around eleven at night, and like I said, my adrenaline was pumping. I was pretty fired up about being outside the wire, going on a convoy. Just the uneasiness, I guess you could say, that came with inherent risk of going in a place where you're really not wanted, and and people are out there who want to kill you be, just because you're an American. But as I was sitting there in my office, I heard the sound of helicopters because where we were, there was a special operations base embedded within the FOB. 
And of course, their area was all blacked out where you couldn't see anybody. And you know that they were leaving at that late hour to carry out some some pretty hefty missions that most likely would take them into combat throughout the night. And my mind just began to think about, as I was so fired up and just so, um, I just can't even explain the overwhelming feeling I felt. It was nothing like I ever felt before. My mind started thinking about, this is why young young men sign up for the military. This is exactly why. This challenge, this facing fear, something that stirs your heart uh, to, to be challenged, to confront evil, to, to be the hero. You know, it sounds silly, but... Ever since I was a boy, I always dreamed of being a hero or being a a soldier. But you had to prepare for every one as if it could be your last. Or, and, and that was always something that you really can't describe it in your mind, what goes on. Um, it can rattle your nerves a little bit. But, but just the adrenaline, the excitement, the 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 overwhelming feeling of of the rush of things really just made me go this is exactly why young men fight for their country i started thinking about this book called wild at heart because i i just began to think about where's the challenge in the church where's the challenge you know why do so many young men leave the church or why do so many young men stop going to church? Why do why are men not interested in church? And I think this book does a great job of, of really describing that. I want to read just a little bit from it today, kind of spark your interest. If you're not a reader, I really think you should be. You can learn lessons from people. And it's okay to read fiction, but if you read nonfiction, leadership books, books about a topic that's interesting to you, if you like sports, whatever it may be, business, you can learn from people. You can learn from their mistakes. You can learn from their uh, successes and apply it to your life. But let me just uh, go into this book here and just read some excerpts for you so you can kind of begin to get a feel of what, what I'm talking about today. Really, the purpose of this book, I think, is summed up here in this short paragraph. The writer says, I am attempting to rescue us from a very, very mistaken image we have of God, especially of Jesus, and therefore of men as his image bearers. Think about that. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It says... Uh, he created man in his image. We're the image bearers of God. That's pretty pretty awesome to think about. He goes on to say, Dorothy Sayers wrote that the church has very efficiently paired the claws of the Lion of Judah, making him a fitting household pet for pale curates and pious old ladies. And that line really hit me when I read this book the first time 
20 years ago, and it still impacts me today, that we've paired the claws of the Lion of Judah. What does that mean? Well, if you keep reading the book, he, he really... He really lays out some things about, and if you study the scriptures, if you know the Bible, if you've read many stories, you see that God has a warrior spirit. There's something warrior-like about him. In fact, David, a man after God's own heart, was the ultimate uh, warrior. And that's why he couldn't even build the temple, because he had so much blood on his hands from all the battles he fought. He was a true warrior. Let's, let me just read some more. It says, God is one who takes immense risks. No doubt the biggest risk of all was when he gave angels and men free will, including the freedom to reject him. Not just once, but every single day. He's not moving all the pieces on the board, He's not stopping every bullet fired at an innocent victim. But there's something much more risking, uh, much more risky going on here than we're often willing to admit. Farther down, he says, unlike some hyper-controlling parents who take away every element of choice they can from their children, God gave us a remarkable choice. He did not make Adam and Eve obey him. He took a risk, a staggering risk, with staggering consequences. He let others into his story, and he lets their choices shape it profoundly. Do you know why God loves writing such incredible stories? Because he loves to come through. He loves to show us that he has what it takes. It's not the nature of God to limit his risks and cover his bases. Far from it. Most of the time, he actually lets the odds stack up against him. That's just a little bit from the beginning of the book that begins to paint a picture of the nature of God, that God is a risk taker. I mean, think about that. He gave his son Jesus for a world, knowing rightfully well that he could be rejected, and he was, still is, gave up everything for an opportunity, gave up everything, risked his life for an opportunity to save and to win. Really, that to me is just a great thought as we think about who God is and that we're made in his image. He's God the risk taker. He's God the let the odds stack against you and then come through. And so much of our life we spend trying to just play things safe. And really, is is faith is faith about playing it safe? I want to read some more about what he says here about the church. He says, Alas, there is the church. Christianity, as it currently exists, has done some terrible things to men. 
When all is said and done, I think most men in the church believe that God put them on the earth to be a good boy. The problem with men, we are told, is that they don't know how to keep their promises, be spiritual leaders, talk to their wives, or raise their children. But if they'll try real hard, they can reach the lofty summit of becoming a nice guy. That's what we hold up as models of Christian maturity. Really nice guys. We don't smoke, drink, or swear, and that's what makes us men. Now let me ask my male readers, in all your boyhood dreams growing up, did you ever dream of becoming a nice guy? Really now, do I overstate my case? Walk into most churches in America, have a look around and ask yourself this question, what is a Christian man? Don't listen to what is said, look at what you find there. There's no doubt about it. You'd have to admit a Christian man is bored. He goes on to say, the church wags its head and wonders why it can't get more men to sign up for its programs. The answer is simply this, we have not invited a man to know and live from his deep heart. That takes me back to my story in Afghanistan. That wasn't boring. <laughs> in fact, it was it was so crazy how much adrenaline would rush through your system as you prepped vehicles, as you walked them to the gate, as you made the call to the talk stating who you were and that you were departing in our in our military verbiage. And to see the gates open and to pull out on that road and take the journey to wherever you were headed to, knowing full well today could be a day where you confront someone that wants to see you dead. You talk about elevating your senses to a level higher than you could ever imagine. It made complete sense to me why so many guys wanted to volunteer to come back. Families maybe couldn't understand. People back home, a lot of them couldn't understand. But the challenge is so, so powerful. And then and then layered on top of that challenge is 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 the concept of fighting for your country, fighting for a cause, fighting for truth, fighting against evil, fighting to help someone in need. That's what made it awesome. So it's interesting to me that within the church, and I'm I'm using the word church in the sense of um, how the writer is using it here. Really, he's talking about the kingdom of God and Christianity, and he's talking about uh, places where people gather on Sunday. We call it church. The church is not necessarily that, but we can use that term for now. I'm fine with that. I think about church. Are we just teaching boys to be nice guys, to behave themselves, 
Like where where are the risk takers? Where are the warriors? Where are the where are the people that are getting out into the danger zone and saying, "Come with me, come experience something awesome." I think of David again, who ran straight towards Goliath when everyone else was scared. I think God's looking for that. I think God's looking for men to be that. God's looking for men to step up and run to danger, run to the weak, run to those that need help. It, there is a cause. Didn't David say, is there not a cause? I think we could say that today. Is there not a cause? I talked about fatherlessness last time. That's a cause. There's young boys and girls all throughout this country with no father figure in their life. Is that not a cause? I think about the city of Chicago and how many shootings are going on and how much hate there is on those streets. Is there not a cause? How can churches just sit around that city and just watch it crumble as people kill one another? Is there not a cause? Every week we see people getting arrested for drugs or whatever the case may be, and is there not a cause? That's why I've said for so long, church has got to be more than just showing up, singing some songs, hearing some points to ponder, and then heading home. The writer says, I've noticed that so often our word to boys is don't. Don't climb on that. Don't break anything. Don't be so aggressive. Don't be so noisy. Don't be so messy. Don't take such crazy risks. (laughs) Don't. But God's design, which he's placed in boys as the picture of himself, is a resounding yes. Be fierce. Be wild. Be passionate. (laughs) I just don't, don't hear that too often. I'm not saying I have the answers. I'm trying to figure out what that means as well. I just want to read a scripture from Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to, I'm going to have some Bible. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. It says this. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over, power over, authority over, the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth. Over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. In other words, fill it and subdue it, he says. Subdue the earth. 
and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. I love where he says, subdue it, subdue the earth, conquer it. If there's a mountain, climb it. If there's a river, cross it. If there's a valley, go explore it. Where are the explorers? Where are the risk takers in church? I honestly feel like we're trying to get men to sign up to something that in, that we're trying to limit risk. We're trying to minimize fear and we're trying to accent safety. When in the heart of a man, safety is something that we want to push past. I think it's it's in the Bible too. Peter was one who who on a boat in a storm saw Jesus walking on the water and said, let me step out. Let me get on the waves that are crashing and walk towards you. Let me walk on water. He was a risk taker. It makes complete sense to me that God would use him as the mouthpiece of the church on the day of Pentecost to preach to 3,000 people. He was a risk taker. I think more than ever, we need risk takers in the church. You know, the Bible actually says, calls the church an army with banners. An army. Terrible, it says. Terrible as an army with banners. Not not safe. Prim and proper. But terrible. I don't know. What do you think? Am I way off? I can tell you for a fact, in Afghanistan, I understood 100%. I understood why this country is a great country. Because there are many men and women willing to rush into danger Understand risk, not run from risk. Do their best to minimize risk. But at the end of the day, allow mission to trump risk. We do our best to minimize it, to offset it. But there does come a time when you have to go. I think about the church. And so I say to the fathers, if you're a churchgoer today, if you're a Christian, if you're a man of God, I say be a risk taker. Let that warrior spirit that God has placed inside of men come alive You're created in God's image. Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's a lion. 
Don't keep the lion in a cage. Don't try to tame the lion. Let the lion go. His departing words were, All authority, all power is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore. We need to go in the authority and the power of the lion. Where there's danger. Where it may not feel safe. That means getting out of our comfort zone. Getting out of our safe space. To do the mission. And if you're not a churchgoer. If you're not a Christian. If you're not someone that thinks about religion. I want you to know. That a life with Jesus. Which we call a life of faith. It is a life of risk. Walking where you can't see, going where you don't know what's ahead, that's pretty risky. Trusting God, that's pretty risky. But it's awesome. Because God comes through. I want to read just a little more. How come there are so many sports widows losing their husbands each weekend to the golf course or the TV? Why are so many men addicted to sports? It's the biggest adventure many of them ever taste. Why do so many others lose themselves in their careers? Same reason. So many guys have been told to put that adventurous spirit behind them and be responsible meaning live only for duty. All that's left are pictures on the wall of days gone by and maybe some gear piled in the garage. If a man does not find those things for which his heart is made, if he is never even invited to live for them from his deep heart, he will look for them in some other way. As a pastor, that's challenging to me. Because I want to challenge the men that come to my church. And I think every pastor, every church leader should want to challenge the men that God has put under your care. If all we're doing is just encouraging them to be safe, be responsible, then they will find adventure in other places, career, sports, whatever the case may be. But I say life can be an adventure. A life serving God can be an adventure. A life living for God is an adventure. It's a place where we can bring our families and be on an adventure together. Jesus said in Matthew 11 and 12, And from the days of John the Baptist unto now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. The writer of this book says, is that a good thing or a bad thing? (laughs) The violent take it by force. Hopefully by now you see the deep and holy goodness of masculine aggression. And that will help you understand what Christ is saying. Contrast it with this. The kingdom of heaven is open to passive, wimpy men who enter it by lying on the couch watching TV. 
If you're going to live in God's kingdom, Jesus says it's going to take every ounce of passion and forcefulness you've got. Things are going to get fierce. And that's why you were given a fierce heart. You know, this whole podcast is about being successful in the roles we hold as husbands and fathers and employees and employers and the list goes on, whatever role you find yourself in. I want to have passion in all those roles. I want to be aggressive in all those roles in the sense of being the best I can be. I want my heart geared up towards being a a great father, being a great husband, being a great pastor. In fact, the scriptures tell me whatever my hand finds to do, do it with all of my might. So I want to encourage you today. Let your warrior spirit come through. In every role, realize you're fighting for something. You need to be aggressive. You don't need to be passive. As we end this podcast about this book, the writer ends with a great question. And I want to read that to you today. If you had permission to do what you really want to do, what would you do? Don't ask how. That will cut your desire off at the knees. How is never the right question. How is a faithless question. It means unless I can see my way clearly, I won't believe it and I won't venture forth. How is God's department? He is asking you what? What is written in your heart? What makes you come alive? If you could do what you've always wanted to do, what would it be? You see, a man's calling is written on his true heart, and he discovers it when he enters the frontier of his deep desires. A man's life becomes an adventure. The whole thing takes on a transcendent purpose when he releases control in exchange for the recovery of the dreams in his heart. Sometimes those dreams are buried deep and it takes some unearthing to get them, get to them. To recover his heart's desire, a man needs to get away from the noise and distraction of his daily life for time with his own soul. He needs to head into the wilderness to silence and solitude. Alone with himself, he allows whatever is there to come to the surface. I'll also add that the reason we want to get alone in the quiet, the Bible instructs us that when you pray, enter into your closet and shut the door. And it says, Your Father which sees you in secret will reward you openly. One question I asked God in secret prayer a few years ago And actually, it may not even have been a question. I just kind of told God, I want a dream. Fill me with dreams, Lord, of what you would like me to accomplish. I don't care how big it is. 
I don't care how difficult it may seem, fill me with dreams. And guess what he did? Have I accomplished them yet? No, I haven't. Have I taken some steps? I have. Does it seem overwhelming at times? It does. But guess what? To have a, a, a such a big dream that only God can help. It's it's pretty it's a pretty awesome place to be, and I, and I want to stay there. I don't ever want to personally be able to accomplish what I set my mind to do. I want what I'm trying to do to be so big that God has to help me. Because I don't want credit. I want him to get the credit. The writer kind of ends the book saying this, "The, the only way to live in this adventure with all its danger and unpredictability and immensely high stakes is an ongoing intimate relationship with God. I would agree 100% with that. An ongoing, intimate relationship with God. The one that created us in His image. The one that instilled in us that warrior spirit, that heart of passion and desire. I want to encourage you today, in whatever role you hold, if you want to be successful, first be successful in your personal relationship with God. And if you don't have a relationship with God, you can today. I think about the thief on the cross. All he said was, Lord, remember me. And that was enough for Jesus to say, this day you'll be with me in paradise. The Bible tells us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you want to step into this adventure, risk-taking, life of faith, relationship with God, I say call upon Him today. If you do, let me know. I've got some material I can give you that will help you in your walk with the Lord. I've got some training material that I can give you that will help you with your first steps in a relationship with God. If it's something you want, Maybe just to renew some of those basic fundamental things, just let me know and I'll I'll send it to you. I hope you've enjoyed this this book, Wild at Heart, by John Eldridge. I hope you add it to your collection. I plan to cover several other books over the coming months that have impacted me. This one impacted me big time as a young man. The subtitle of the book is Discovering the Secret of a Man's Soul. And we discover that in our secret place with God. A place of prayer and meditation and really dreaming. So I want to encourage you today to to seek that. If God puts a dream in your heart, I'd love to hear about it. I'd love for you to tell me about it. If I can help you along the way, offer you advice, offer coaching, offer encouragement, I want to do it. I want to encourage you to follow, to subscribe, to share with your friends, uh, leave a comment, 
on whatever platform you're using. If you leave comments, if you give me a rating, all those will help as far as uh, promoting the podcast and getting the word out that it's there. So until next time, I just want to say thank you. Thanks for listening to the Successful Man Podcast. Podcast.